Hello and welcome to this EG webinar in partnership with MRI Software. We're talking today about the ways in which technology, data and analytics can support real estate investment strategies and help to replace what might be long-standing but can also be outdated processes and practices. Our guests for this discussion are Eric Kogan, Vice President of Finance and Investment Solutions at MRI Software, Manreet Randawa, Director of the Janice Henderson UK Property Authorised Investment Fund at Nuveen Real Estate, and James Pellat, Director of Workplace and Innovation at Great Portland Estates. Here's their take on the approaches to data and analytics that real estate are adopting, how they've leveraged tech during the COVID-19 pandemic, and how it will help to shape and drive their future investment strategies. Plus, a musical recommendation from James that you'll want to stick around for. Enjoy. James, when you and I last spoke, you were celebrating the Smart Score certification for uh, Great Portland's Hickman Building. And I remember us touching then on the ways that you saw data and analytics and tech uh, enabling you to get a, a better understanding first of what your occupiers wanted from, from the estate's buildings, and then also to make sure that they were getting what they wanted and mm -hmm. uh, i wondered if first you could kind of set the scene for us here over the over the 10 years that that you've been at, at great portland estates sort of what change have you seen within the industry as it as it goes on that journey when when you look at data and analytics and the the industry embracing those opportunities through tech uh, how different do you see the sector now to to when you when you joined that business um well the, the sector has changed enormously uh in terms of uh what we have to what our customers want and how they work and i was thinking about this the other day about even companies that, that didn't exist 10 years ago and, and established real estate companies that did exist but don't exist any longer so that has changed massively i don't think in terms of data it's changed that much actually sadly i think real estate is much much is still very slow behind the curve and i think in terms of managing and using data, sadly, very little has changed in that 10 year period. Um, I think if we now, the opportunities for gathering it are much, much greater, but how you organize it and what you do with it is is still, I think, in it very much in its infancy. Manreet, does that does that chime with what you see? I suppose it feels like we talk about this topic so much that that you would you would hope real estate as an industry has woken up more to the importance. Yeah, I completely agree with James. I think there's a lot of data out there, but actually using it in an appropriate way and actually effectively is, is something that's probably lost and that we don't really have at the moment. I mean, there's so many different companies gathering lots of different data points but actually using it in a way that's meaningful to actually positively affect your investment strategy is is quite different and I don't think we're there just yet. What have been as, as you and colleagues at Nuveen have have uh, have been been trying to reach that sort of ultimate destination what have been some of the milestones for you and, and big takeaways that, that you've learned? There's two projects that come to mind immediately um, and one of them is quite granular it's it's basically about placing these small trackers within our offices 
um, which sort of harvest data points um, in particular, so energy, and it's about looking at the operational optimization of a building. So you can build it to work perfectly, but once you've actually got your occupier in, is it doing what it should be doing? And what we found is in some of our offices, we've had um, lights coming on at 2 a.m., staying on for no reason for another four hours, wasting energy. And actually what we've been able to do is tell this to our tenants and they've been able to recalibrate their systems to go, right, let's have the lights come on at this time, switch off at this time. And it's really helped save energy across two of our assets in a really meaningful way. And that's just really improved sort of the landlord-tenant um, relationship. And it, it also helps with retention as well. And I think in a point where companies are really struggling with their operational expenses for real estate um, and energy prices going up, being able to offer this sort of information is just, it's really meaningful on the bottom line for some of the businesses, especially some people are really struggling. And where you can help with just any cost savings, um, I just think it's really, really important. Eric, you and colleagues at MRI are, of course, helping clients with sort of this operational side of um, of business as well as as well as elsewhere in the investment cycle. Um, I was looking at some of the the whiteboard Wednesday videos that that you used to post, where you were exploring some of the issues that you're trying to help clients with. What's on your what's on your metaphorical whiteboard, or even literal whiteboard at the moment? The reality is that. I am actually seeing this accelerate uh, over the past few years. Uh, I think one of the main, two of the main drivers for that acceleration is the market, right? There is, the market I think is less stable and predictable as it once was. Things are changing much more rapidly uh, with the proliferation of technology in our day-to-day -day lives. Uh, but also the demands of occupiers and tenants and residents, th th there is simply a higher expectation for the adoption of technology and better experiences uh, when it comes to where they live, work and play. So as a vendor, we, we almost need to lead sort of, we need to deliver t technologies and capabilities even beyond what the market needs right now we need to sort of predict what they need in the future so we have uh we had a focus let's say over the last few years on <coughs> automation and machine learning right we need to automate more of the sort of repetitive mundane processes that, that happen day in day out back office front office alike um and th th that that's something that um is pervasive across so many different parts of what we do uh, from automating the management of data and the validation of data and the integration of data, moving it from point A to point B, um, as well as specific business processes. Then it was more of a machine learning focus, right? Now that we've automated everything, data's flowing in, it's being normalized. Uh, people have to click the mouse fewer times. Uh, to get their job done. Now we want the systems to actually learn from what's happening and where people have to manually intervene because automation hasn't you know, dealt with 100%. People manually intervene and then the machine learns from that and hopefully we can begin to automate more and more and more. And now it's, it's, it's a real focus on artificial intelligence. 
right? Uh, especially for us, we we want not only for the system to automate what a human being can do themselves and eliminate human error, but now actually have the system start thinking for you uh, and actually making determinations on your behalf. Now, of course, we're not talking, you know, the Terminator or anything like that, but uh, when it comes to abstracting documents, leases, insurance documents, partnership agreements, abstracting those documents and pointing out the clauses and parameters that you need to care about to effectively run your business. I think that's where the focus is today and it's an exciting time. James, what do think, some of those developments look like in a, in a business like Great Portland? Well, I think it's really interesting because I don't it, it sounds if you if you just tuned into this conversation that we're talking at different speeds. But I think when you re, the, you know the more I've learned about this and and, re, and I have looked at this a lot because as we've started to implement our innovation strategy, how we manage and use our data is a is a key part of that strategy because I don't think it's been I think it's become a lot easier to uh, find sources of information, but there's two distinct things from a property point of view. Your accounting software and your and your source of truth for when leases begin and what's the right name on the lease, what's the right address. Uh, because real estate companies have hooked into different accounting systems, that management of data and everything that was just described is very real and, and can happen uh, relatively easily if you've got your accounting system set up in the right way. And as for a real estate company, those units are our product. So actually, most real estate companies per unit don't have masses and masses of data. We're not like a L'Oreal or somebody, you know, we haven't got thousands of product lines across the world. So I think from an accounting perspective, there's quite a lot of financial data that is easier to manage and you can buy as part of that package that you, you take. Where it becomes more complicated is how you take that data and simplify it and then overlay it with data that we get from the portfolio. So the sensors that we have in our buildings, the uh, occupancy data, the air quality data, is coming from lots of different sources. So how you begin to put that together, how you begin to store it, and how you begin to visualize it so that it's at the hands of our my colleagues is the challenge. And it's, But it is equally the really exciting bit because I think with the uh, growth of um, the cloud-based data storage systems, uh, having um, things like uh, Tableau or Microsoft Azure and, and Power BI, those tools are actually the really powerful ones. Those are the those are the ingredients with which for real estate to unlock data. And that's why I meant when I started off at the beginning, it's we're at the beginning of those journeys. Um, I've spent a lot of time looking at other industries. So I've, I've spoken to um, people from the cosmetics industry, people from the car industry, because real estate is kind of, it's like five years behind the, the motor industry really. Um, and there you had a mixture of very old technology and very new technology, lots of disruption in terms of product changing for a sustainability perspective. So the, the rise of uh, electronic vehicles and those sorts of things all require more and more use of data and less and less engineering. Um, and it's taken them, so there's one, so we're speaking to Jaguar Land Rover 
five years ago, their data team was two people, and now it's over 200 people, which is sort of the equivalent of how they need to you know, embed engineers to make those processes and learn, but they have to work out which data is valuable. The trick for real estate is to work out which are the 10 pieces of information that are really valuable, visualize those, and then how you store the rest for the machine learning that we were just talking about, especially for optimization of buildings and, and sustainability at a later date. So it's, it's, it's a lot to do with organization and thinking about the art of the possible. Um, and that's that's why I meant we're at the beginning of the journey, not not anywhere near the end. Yeah, I would I would just I would just add to that that I think that what at least what I see with uh, the real estate clients that I meet with and speak to is that those who want to actually the technology exists right to James's point the technology exists it's there it's available for people to consume and to and to take advantage of. Uh, but the forward-thinking real estate investment companies uh, that really want to tackle that and, 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 and really want to define a, a modern and future-proof technology strategy, they have to go through a lot of pain, much more so than a, com- a, a forward-looking company in, in another industry. Um, so I agree with James on that. The, those companies have to go through a lot of pain, a lot of expense. But once it's there, it immediately makes it easier for everybody else. So I always uh, I always sort of give kudos to those companies that are willing to take those steps because it ultimately elevates the entire market when they do that. Manreet, uh, within your fund, uh, how is your approach to reliance on data and analytics being maybe reshaped, maybe reinforced during during the events of the COVID pandemic? I know your your retail team is doing some interesting things with big data, right? Around um, uh, around sort of reshaping the investment strategy and tracking who's who's where across the portfolio. Yeah, definitely. I think. Retail is quite unique in the sense that you really want to see where your companies are going, how they're moving. And we've been working with a company that sort of um, harvests data for mobile phones and they chip with about 81 million mobile phones across Europe. And what that data actually provides us, it just gives us visitor numbers and a breakdown of dwell time and actually real catchments of areas and also how people are moving through our assets. And and that can be important for various reasons because actually it might so happen on a more granular level that one tenant is better placed at one side of your outlet mall than it is on another a different side of your outlet mall and that helps drive footfall in a very very different way and it can really influence your strategy on like where you'd like people placed across your park and what's the best way to flow um flow that traffic through um but there's just there's still a lot to it which we still don't understand because the minute you start overlaying different bits of data you can start getting more meaningful sort of information but I think at the moment we're still if you don't ask the right questions you're not going to get a very good answer and I think a lot of the time some of these companies are still trying to work through um, information that would be the best for us for our particular assets. 
I, I wanted to bring up the the idea of collaboration and and Eric, I know you you've sort of spoken in the past about the the need to focus on that and using your offerings as a vendor to maybe introduce something new to 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 sort of the standardized investment processes. What does that look like during during the COVID pandemic? Because I would presume that becomes an even more pertinent issue to to bring parties together in a way that they might not have been before during a time of such heightened uncertainty across uh, across every every part of the investment and asset operating process yeah uh i think it's not the the covid pandemic necessarily made this a reality i think it just accelerated certain things uh that were already happening but a lot of the data points that or let's call them the new data points that people are interested in building into their models and their strategies and their reporting uh, actually relies heavily on input from the people who are actually in the buildings, right? The, the tenants, the residents, the shoppers in malls, uh, the visitors to these, these buildings, um, the, the, the people who are renting flex space and so on and so forth. Uh, they are the ones that now need to be plugged into the system, right? That you're that you're looking at in order to make decisions. Um, so it's not just you know there was a phase of everyone caring a lot about environmental you know statistics and parameters. Now there's health and safety, uh, sustainability, and so on. And so you, it's 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 critical today that you have a sort of a technology ecosystem, so to speak, where tenants and residents and visitors can be submitting data either proactively or uh, you know or or sort of passively through IOT and and other other sort of technologies that are that are sort of tracking footfall and tracking usage and things like that so it's not always easy right we've we've in the past had essentially two types of uh thought processes from clients either a best of breed type of uh, consumer of technology and then a sort of a single stack consumer of technology uh i think best of breed is becoming more and more and more the sort of the dominant uh perspective on how to be successful with technology because there's so many technologies that can capture the data can uh, interpret the data and provide insight to people making decisions, uh, and often you—that's you, not you're going to you're not going to get all of that in one system. So you need technology to allow, bring all of these products together, and solutions that bring data in from these uh, occupiers of to, of real estate to really be able to have the full picture. James, you wrote a piece for us, uh, a, I think it was early last year, where you made an interesting and quite fun comparison between real estate and the movie industry, where mm -hmm. you argued you get to the end of a movie, you watch the credits, and unless you work in that industry, you don't know what half of the roles are that scroll past you on the screen. And you made the point for people outside of real estate, it will be the same, and that sometimes that's been a barrier to uh, to uh, perhaps technology companies engaging fully with with real estate maybe uh, a barrier between real estate tenants and and the owners of the buildings is that is that still 
a pervasive issue that that you see and does it does it stand in the way sometimes of um of the industry sort of really reaping the benefits here um yeah definitely it still exists and it will continue to exist it's not going to change anytime soon there isn't going to be a magic operating system that appears that will solve all data problems for landlords i don't i don't think and i know that because i started off this journey two years ago looking for that solution could i find a uh, data visualization platform that would take in all of this different sources of data and help us manage it and, and move forward and it doesn't exist as so far as i can tell um so but the the key to it is and is when you're in when you're using tech or when you're using prop tech and bring it in as a uh, as someone who's buying prop tech is asking for the key piece of information which isn't the cost it isn't the uh, what it does and all those things is what api can i get from you that automates the data that i'm going to get back because and i wish i'd known that three or four years ago because i always used to take the point that with uh, with our prop tech partners we would own the data and they would own the ip when really uh, and i thought that was that was being the right sort of balance but actually is how you access the data and how it's automated and the format that it's in and receiving structured data is the key to wider adoption and i think once the industry starts to learn what to ask for it becomes a lot easier to organize it and once you start to organize it, it's a lot easier to visualize it and then then eventually get much richer analytics from it but the the key is to ask for those apis and that's the that's the unlocking of this potential for me it's the really it's the key to the magic kingdom if you like um because everyone sort of i, I don't think really people outside of real estate understand what an api is what a data lake is what a data uh what the data warehouse is and what structured data is and unstructured data there's a lot of education that you've got to go through uh to be able to to explain that but it, equally when you're explaining that to people in real estate as i'm and with colleagues they're sort of you know that it doesn't really mean anything to them it's, it's a different language but when they see uh, a, a dashboard that's showing them how many people are in a building at a certain time what the air quality is what uh what people are you looking at the app what uh, the energy consumption is all in one piece of visualization that you can understand and then export that's really powerful so it's it's trying to build the, the cases and the examples and then making a really tough decision for a real estate company which is to buy three or four major pieces of software and use the software as a service model and accept that that's what you're going to do or build your own uh database data warehouse have in-house team of data engineers that are going to help you do that uh, and go along that option and it's it's a confusing choice to make it is really really difficult and um and i don't and i think that there's some really good solutions particularly from the us uh you know things like um cherry or vts are really good at starting to integrate data and what's happening in buildings and what and how buildings are being used but you've got to make that decision that you're happy to give up part of your own data to that platform to allow that to happen. And so those are these are quite big decisions that real estate I don't think has begun to get to grips with yet. But um, there are people that are starting to, that's for sure. What will 
What will push companies to get to grips with that? Manry already said it. The thing that's going to push it is already happening in Europe. It's, it is sustainability data and the metrics and things like Gresby reporting, which is extremely complicated. It takes a lot of data, a lot. It takes a huge amount of manual time. And Absolutely. trying to understand. Yeah. That reporting <laughs> element, I have to do so much reporting and that reporting element can take so much time because still so much of it is still considerably manual. I think, I mean, I've been working here for 11 years and there's still some elements of the job that we, as much as we've tried, you can't get around from that. And, and some of that comes from even tenant engagement because unless your tenants do engage with you and they're happy for you to sort of harvest some of their data, if they don't want you to do that, it's not really a great deal you can do when it comes to your own GRESB schools, unfortunately. Um, and I think until tenants also want to kind of know their own schools and understand that, then you, you're not going to get much traction, unfortunately. And then there are the, some tenants who probably know their schools will be bad and they don't want anyone to know. So <laughs> it's a really difficult conversation to have with certain um, clients. I think the, the reality is that all of this amounts to how competitive you ultimately are in the market. Uh, it's going to be more and more and more difficult for real estate companies to be competitive if they're not consuming and this data and making use of the data and, and, and do, making data-driven decisions that will make their, their assets more uh, profitable and, uh, and in, in increase occupancy and increase valuation. I think uh, the problem is, Eric, the, the, the a lot of landlords will tell you they they make data data driven decisions every day mm -hmm. because they they take data in terms of what's happening with the market rent what's happening with yields uh, what's happening in the bond market and they make an investment decision every day so as far as they're concerned they're making a data driven decision but that's not what you i know it's not what you mean and it's not what uh the the real if you spoke to other industries it's not what they mean it, the, the trick is is you organizing that data to be able to find insights from it that you wouldn't have otherwise found or you wouldn't have otherwise looked at yeah i think i think the difference today is post covid i mean we're not post covid yet i mean we're still in the midst of covid 2.0 uh but the difference is that a lot of those decisions, I call them back of the napkin decisions, right? You just scribble some thoughts on the back of the napkin, go with, the, go with your gut. But uh, the difference is that it's not a given today that people are going to leave their homes, whether it's to, it's to come to an office or shop at a mall uh, or, you know, whatever. It's not a given. And therefore, companies are going to need to do things a little bit differently. Maybe a little bit differently, maybe very differently, depending on the asset class and where it's located and the type of demographic and cultural elements of, you know, the location that, that, it's, that it's been. And so a lot of those decisions that, James, to your point, may be considered data-driven decisions. Uh, I just don't think they'll be there'll be enough in this new world where people will happily shop from 
their laptop, right? Or happily work from home, um, unless you consider things like, you know, what sort of amenities am I going to not only consider inside my building, but also outside my building. People might want to only come to an office if there are great restaurants to eat at or great cultural events uh, in the area that they can attend after hours. These sorts of things in the past wouldn't have been considered. It would have been a very <clears throat> mathematical bottom line type of decision. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, I yeah. do think that the yeah. next. I agree with Eric. I mean, being able to quantify that halo Oh, Mary, sorry. Please go ahead. No, no, please, you go ahead, don't worry. Uh, just uh, being able to quantify that, that halo impact is so important. And like you said, just the benefit of, sort of those fringe stores, restaurants and, and how they draw people in. I think post a pandemic is incredibly important because like it or not, I, I live and work in the square mile and, and it still hasn't recovered to anywhere where we, I think we all would have hoped it would be. And I think kind of understanding what pulls people in is going to be incredibly important. And I think if we have that information, then we can start sort of implementing that across our assets. I think um, I think that the disruption has, has only begun, really. I think the disruption in the economy and how and where we work and live is going to last another decade at least. Oh, and it was going to happen. It was going to happen anyway in terms of as we started the conversation with everybody's job unless you're a hairdresser or an undertaker is going to be disrupted by machine learning and big data i think you know it, it is we don't know how and when people will work but it's going to be uncertain for quite some time and i think the key thing about using data is that the earlier you start to accumulate it and organize it the better you're going to have a richer set of insights to make informed decisions as that world changes. And I think it's what happens at the, if you haven't started doing it soon, then you are gonna be left behind by those that have. And having to build up that 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 uh, really rich and organized uh, set of data is hard, really hard work, but I think it really, I'm, I'm confident will pay dividends, especially at the back end of the decade, I believe. Without a doubt, the folks that are going to be successful are the folks that not only can collect all the data, but can serve it up in the form of a story. The data has to tell you a story, a trend uh, is happening uh, or whatever the story may be. It, it, if you're just looking at grids of data, it may be normalized, it may be complete and accurate, but that's not enough. You, it needs to be telling you a story so that you can pivot. Uh, you need to be, companies need to be nimble. They need to be able to adapt. You see a lot of companies changing their portfolio mix in the wake of, you know, you know, impacts to valuation of certain asset classes that used to be core and stabilized and now are not at all. So the data has to tell a story. I've got a quick fire question for each of you just to, just to close. At the top, I asked James to reflect on um, what had changed over his, his decade, Great Portland. And I'd like to ask each of you sort of almost to jump back 10 years. And I'd like to know what, what you would like to tell yourself 10 years ago that you now wish you'd known then when it comes to, to thinking about the benefits of a greater focus on 
on data and tech within real estate. And you're not allowed to tell yourself to invent something that we now all take for granted or anything like that. I'm thinking more of more of the mindset that you would like uh, uh, that you would like yourself to have had then, and the insight that you would share. Um, Eric, could I could I pick on you first? Uh, for me, that's easy. It's how do I put it? It's put the customer first, the client, the user first at all times, right? Um, forget absolutely everything else. Forget the PL, forget, you know, how the database is structured, uh, you know, all those sorts of things. It's you have to be focused on what is the what is the experience uh, and value that you want to that you want the end user to to have and then work backwards from there every time. Perfect. James, how about you? Well, I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, I'll. I've got to do a quick plug. Our innovation strategy is driving innovation to enhance occupiers' workplace experience. It is the reason why we're doing it is to make their lives better. Because anything else is fluff, really. It's not. It just gets in the way. But I wish ten years ago, I, I think, was to think outside the box a lot more than I have, and to really learn and read about how data is organized and structured. But people like Tim Harford and David Spiegelhalter, how data is understood and the biases that you have when you can, you've got to really think how the rest of the world uses this information and and learn from that and then adapt it uh, to the, to your own needs. So I think think outside the box would be the one I wish I'd started a lot earlier. Sounds good. And Manri, a, a last thought from you on this. That's hard. They've got the best ones. <laughs> um, I, I absolutely agree with you both. I think if I had to sort of look 10 years ago, I would definitely look at other industries and how they've adopted different software to kind of get that end result that we've always desired and see how we could tweak it to make it more relevant for our industry. But also, I wish I'd learned to code because I sometimes feel like when you do a job like I do, you can't, you know what you need to get. You just don't have the know-how to get there. And actually, there are very few people who can bridge that gap of knowledge to say this is what I would like and this is how you need to achieve it and and I think we always need like a set of like real estate coders who can, who can really like create things that are really useful and, and we do have that we've got a team in our office which are really fantastic and maybe we can link to this we'll find a way to link to this alongside the um alongside the webinar but James, what what anthem would you like to see real estate adopting? A song that will encapsulate what you want to see in terms of the sector embracing change and making the most of the opportunities ahead. This is so hard. It, it's like there's part of it. I've gone through different songs like Dark and Long by Underworld. So it's going to take ages. <laughs> like a sweaty techno club mix and it's going to be in the, go on forever. But um I think it's got to be something uplifting and, uh, you know, something hopeful and optimistic. So I, I think like a, a Northern Soul classic of Keep On Keeping On uh, by Nolan Porter, that is just that we're going to, you know, upbeat, happy music and we'll get there in the end. That's what I'm going for. I love that. We will find a way to we will find a way to link to that. And if we can't, then everyone watching this should just go and and, and listen on Spotify now. Anyway, <laughs> um, I make a little playlist for it. That would be that would be wonderful. An EG endorsed playlist. I will look forward to it. Um, look, James Manry, 
Eric, thank you all so much for making time to share your thoughts with EG on this topic today. Um, thank you to MRI as well, of course, for its partnership and support of this event. And of course, thank you for watching. Bye for now. Thank you so much. Thank you.